Hello guys and welcome to episode 10 of the Beat Your Backlog podcast, a podcast discussing the things gamers like to put off, get to another day, and oh yes, we'll definitely beat later, their backlog. I'm your host Adam and today I'm putting on my wellies, woolen fleece and taking my pipe onto the dark and lonely ocean in Black Salt Games and Team 17's Dredge. The game was released on March 30th of this year on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and 5 and Xbox One and Xbox Series and it seemed to become the indie hit of 2023 so far. I first heard of the game because of John's reviewing on the Gaming in the Wild podcast, which is a great podcast. Uh, I suggest you guys listen to it. Um, I'll put the link in the description. And because of his high acclaim and the 83 out of 100 Metacritic score the game has on Nintendo Switch, I decided to give it a go myself. But what on earth is Dredge, you might be asking? Well, in Dredge he plays a lonely fisherman on a voyage to find better waters and greater prosperity in the isolated village of Greater Marrow. On your trip over turbulent seas, your vessel gets lost in a deep and dense fog, leading you to crash on the jagged rocks below Great Marrow's lighthouse, which is quite unusual because a lighthouse is meant to show you where the rocks are, and this one kind of leads you into them. You survive the crash and are approached by the mayor of the town, who is willing to sell you a broken and battered ship fishing vessel in the agreement that you will sell fish you catch to the local fishmonger. In doing so, you slowly pay off your debt for the boat and help rebuild the crumbling community by reopening the one sterilic dry dock and restoring communication with the neighbouring village of Little Marrow. Everything seems to be going well, the town is thriving, you are slowly paying back your debt, but something pulls at the back of your mind that not everything is as it seems in this quiet fishing town. The warnings not to go out at night are elevated by the strange red shimmers that appear above the water once the sun goes down. Unusual, deformed fish start to appear on your lines and in your nets with bulbous eyes and sharp, human-like teeth that when brought to the local fishmonger seem to excite him rather than terrify him. This is all brought to a head when a mysterious figure bangs on your porthole and tells you to visit him in, at his manor on nearby Blackstone Isle. The man installs dredging equipment on your boat in exchange for your help finding peculiar relics from shipwrecks. Each relic you bring him, he promises, will help you enhance your boat and make more gold to pay off your debt. The search for relics leads you across the peninsula to mangroves, volcanoes and sheer cliffs as you slowly creep into insanity uncovering the terrors of the dark night and the horrors of the all-encompassing deep. So I hope you like my little synopsis I wrote there because uh, yeah, this is a very peculiar game. It's not one that we usually see like a mix of, of kind of fishing game and and like in quotes horror i want to talk a little bit about that later on but firstly i just wanted to go over the story because the story yeah it's very much like a it kind of feels like one of those graphic novels like there is a lot of text given to you um and the story kind of i don't know but places it kind of feels a bit disjointed like you we we go on or i said before that you don't really necessarily you know that something is unusual is going on but the game doesn't really tell you what that is and I think um, the like a lot of comparisons and a lot of people are saying like the game is very heavily inspired by Lovecraft. And I think if you also know Lovecraft's work, this probably makes a lot more sense to you than it did to me because I haven't read his books. Uh, but I really want to now because of this game. But yeah, the story for me was kind of like a little bit, it felt quite light. Like the you knew that there was this kind of dread hanging over your... Uh, your fishermen and, and the town and kind of the peninsula itself but it was quite hard to know why and I don't I'm not going to spoil the ending but at the ending of the game I felt like the ending was quite kind of like questionable I was like ah okay why is it why is this happening and who is this and why is that there and the reason that I kind of missed that was because the story is kind of yeah delivered to you in in little snippets of that of dialogue but also the game has these kind of messages in a bottle which uh, when I first started seeing them, I, I started to read them and was kind of like, oh, ah, yeah, you know, they 
they seem to be all written by a woman uh, and she's talking a lot about her fiance and, and it appears that her fiance was also a kind of maybe not a fisherman but like a treasure hunter with a boat and the first few I found were quite like disjointed and I was kind of like yeah okay they they're like nice little paragraphs about this this woman's life but yeah it wasn't that interesting but once I saw the end the the it made me go back and read through the messages and the messages then kind of made a lot more sense about what you do what these relics are uh, actually about and uh, why the ending happens as it as it does so I think the first thing I would say about the story is if you're playing the game definitely read the messages in the bottle I'm not sure how many there is to find like I don't think I found all of them but the ones that I did find definitely helped fill in the gaps a little bit about why you why this this mysterious figure is is um, is looking for them and and how they basically lead to the the conclusion of the game so that's definitely the first thing that you should do uh, otherwise yeah the story is kind of yeah, it's there and it's there to kind of I guess push you along like there is a lot of stuff that I, I think quite interesting about like you know why are all of these shipwrecks and, and more about what happened before and, and the bottles the bottles kind of uh, fill this in a little bit but not quite as much because yeah I think it's really interesting to to go around and yeah you you talk to like the lighthouse keeper who is like this kind of deranged old lady who keeps mistaking you for someone else but she doesn't necessarily know who that someone else is or you don't know who that someone else is and and it must be like i got the feeling that it must be like another there was another fisherman who was here doing this, this similar task who was killed or went missing or something and she was in love with him and again it's a lot of it is like trying to draw conclusions from what you the little bits of text you're getting but um, yeah, I think it's uh, what, and what I want to go on to a little bit later. I'm going to talk about the atmosphere about the game and how the game really makes you, makes you feel uneasy. And I think it does that really well because of the, the yeah the way the story is delivered, like the actual like the, the sounds of the game feel very eerie. And what's cool is is that yeah, it doesn't uh, on the surface it doesn't look like it doesn't feel, it feels like it shouldn't be like that. But the game does a very good. Uh, way of, of having like this undercurrent of uneasiness which we'll get into a little bit later but first yeah I think maybe we should describe how the game actually works what the gameplay is what you will be doing and the gameplay revolves around the day and night cycle where you go out with your boat to various fishing spots to haul in the catch of the day um, each species of fish has its own variation of minigame which you have to match a master to catch them all um, and these mini games are usually sort of uh, if if you've ever played like a, a golf game where you have to get like a gauge into like a green zone and then you have to click at this, that time. That's what the games, the mini games are mostly like. And um, for the fish, at least it's like that where you have to yeah, hit like press um, was it A or B? I can't remember on the because I was getting switched up on the Nintendo Switch. But you have to press a button when like this little gauge goes into a green zone. And if you do, you basically pull up the fish quicker. And if you do it uh, like as a combo, like one, two, three, you'll pull up the fish really quickly. There are also kind of gold gauges on there, which makes you kind of like wait a little, a few seconds. And if you get the 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 gauge in the gold zone, you get like a prize fish. And this one is bigger and it's worth more money. Um, and then, yeah, when you go on to the dredging, the dredging is like a wheel with um, like two parts in it, which kind of turn, I think they turn anti-clockwise. And on each wheel, there are like black zones and you have to move like a gauge uh, in and out of the wheels so that you don't hit the black zone. So it's, I think it's all, it's like a, a thing that's um, was done in one of the Resident Evil games. Uh, so yeah, so you have to do that. And the longer that you keep out of the black zone, the quicker 
the 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 item will be dredged up and i think resident evil has like quite a big influence on this game because once you have caught the fish each fish species has like a certain shape that it's in or it takes up like a certain amount of squares and in your hold you have yeah a certain amount of squares like a rectangular shape with i don't know let's say 20 squares on it and you have to fit your fish in there so it's kind of like a little bit of like a puzzle uh tetris kind of thing where you you're like okay i have like this l-shaped fish how can i fit it in and now i have this other one that's like very straight or this other one that's a fish that's also quite rectangular and you can rotate them you know in the four ways at 90 degrees to fit them in and um yeah you basically that's how you you catch the fish you store them in your boat then you go back to the harbor uh, and sell the fish to the fishmonger yeah the more that you do that that's basically the loop you go out during the day you catch the fish, you bring them back, you sell them, and then during the evenings you can either, if you feel brave, you can go back out and fish again because at night time um, fish become, there are different types of fish at night time and also there are different kind of variations of fish and the variations are these these kind of mutated, unusual looking fish with the, like I said, with the human-like teeth or bulbous eyes or they have parts of their, like, their body like ripped away, like these really grotesque looking looking fish which you can catch and which are also worth more money so it has this kind of like cool risk and reward system because if you go out fishing at night you can catch more uh, you can catch fish that are worth more but going out at night also messes with your your fisherman's um like panic meter or his sanity meter so the longer he's out at night the more he kind of i think what they're trying to do is is like the more paranoid he gets the more insane uh, insane he gets and then the more kind of weird things that happen. So it's like some of the weird things might be that uh, a rock will just appear in front of your boat. And if you hit the rock, you get damage to your boat. And then like little squares in your hold will then be crossed off. So it might be that if you have a fish there where the square the square that's crossed off is, you'll lose the fish. Or sometimes there are tentacles that just come out of the water from nowhere and try to attack you or there is in some instances there are crows that are like a flock of crows like if you know from that scene from lord of the rings where they all have to hide in the rocks from the crows kind of like that they come and swarm your boat and steal your fish away um and yeah these, these things that you're not sure if they're actually really happening or if it's just in this in this fisherman's mind which come to try and damage you and with your with your boat if you take uh, at the start of the game if you take three hits you basically die and have to start the day again um, and yeah, and I guess that's also where the Lovecraftian horror or psychological paranoia comes in of like, yeah, the longer you are out in the dark, the more kind of insane and crazy you get and the more weird things that you see. And there's, there's always this question of are you really seeing them or is it just something in, in this guy's mind, which is really cool. So like I said, the, the loop of the game is, is you are fishing, you're bringing back the fish to sell and then of course you sell them for gold. And the gold is used mostly to upgrade your, your boat or to buy equipment to help you do different things. So like, for example, uh, you can buy crab pots. Like if you unlock crab pots, you can buy them, you throw them out into the ocean and they're kind of like a passive income for you where you leave them for a few days, go back to them and in them there will be crabs or other like crustaceans that you can then uh, collect and sell. And then the problem is, is you, you basically have like an upkeep of them. So you, every couple of days you have to repair them and then you can throw them back out and they'll, they'll catch fish over time. But yeah, the biggest upgrades I would say are, are to your boat um, and they work with both having, you need the money to buy them and you also need to have collected the right resources to upgrade a certain part of your ship. And again, much like Resident Evil, um, on each upgrade you'll see like a silhouette of the resource that you need 
and then you have to basically drag over from your ship or your inventory over to the silhouette and place it there and then that means that you will then upgrade whatever you're upgrading uh, this on the switch was quite cumbersome like you can tell this is like very much a pc like mouse dragging feel uh yeah because on the switch it was really annoying to do but yeah but the resources that you find are found by dredging shipwrecks uh so dredging shipwrecks is also like i said it's uh before there are these two rings that turn and you have to avoid the black black uh kind of holds and from dredging the ship shipwrecks you can find uh resources like wood you can find scrap metal you can find refined metal and you can find like a i can't remember what they call it in the game but it's basically like cloth or i think it's like sail they call it in the game and yeah, you use these these kind of four main resources to to upgrade your boat. And there are also uh, like kind of trinkets that you can find by dredging or just like items that you are kind of junk that you can then sell to a trader uh, for money if you need a little bit of money like that. And yeah, and you can also find resources from uh, chests or other secrets in the game. And what these resources do is um, they assign sort of regular slots within your hold uh, so they can be used for fishing equipment like for example it would change one upgrade might be to change two regular spots into two uh, fishing rod slots which then means you can you can add an additional fishing rod to your boat uh, fishing rod not fishing rod fishing rods to your boat and this might mean that you can then take a fishing rod that uh, fishes a certain type of water that you might not have already so like fish are kind of defined by uh, which water they swim in so there is in the game there is i think uh, shallows coastal ocean uh, volcano and uh, mangrove so it might be that on your boat you only have uh, uh, shallows and coastal but you really need like um, an ocean rod so then it's like okay now you'll switch to two parts of your boat into being uh, rod spaces and then you can you have enough spaces to equip another rod that, that fishes for ocean which is quite cool and it has like yeah this kind of and it also works with engine so you can add more spaces for engine and then increase the the speed of your boat you can do it for light so that if you are out uh, at night time you have like less of less of a risk of getting panicked because bright lights help your panic meter and the final one is nets so yeah you can put nets in that is kind of like a trawling net that you put behind you and this kind of just collects fish as you move and it's like another way of passive income and yeah for me i think it's like a very cool balance uh, of like like resource balancing because you feel like you have to lose actual space where you can store fish to to have m more fishing equipment to help you catch more fish. So it's like this really cool balance. In my in my point though, this kind of like shifted my perspective of the game and kind of got me into a little bit of trouble with the game because I was like, okay, cool, I I I like this balance, but it means for me I really want to upgrade my ship as quickly as as possible. Um, so it kind of shifted the priorities from actually catching fish to finding the resources because I wanted to upgrade my boat, which I ended up doing. And uh, yeah, this kind of led me into like skipping story points where basically the game tells you like, okay, you, sh you should go to this area. Um, and I went to that area and was like having quite a hard time in there because there's this one enemy that is there that can just destroy you straight away. And I was like, okay, this doesn't feel right. Like I'm here, I'm, I'm collecting my resources, I'm upgrading my boat. But I feel like I'm not really doing anything here. Like, why am I here? And then I realized that I, I should have stayed in the starting area a bit longer. And it was like a story uh, prompt that I'd missed where it was like, okay, I had to just talk to this one other person. Then they would have given me the quest to go to this area to talk to this next person. And then that would have continued the story. So it's probably meant I spent like two hours just in this area, like looking for the item that I needed without actually 
triggering the story prompt that was there. Annoying, yes, but it also, like I said, I was looking for a lot of resources and there was a lot of resources there. So I felt like at least the time I, I had spent kind of aimlessly wandering around was not so aimless because I collected resources and I managed to upgrade my But And yeah, I think this kind of philosophy or this, I, this kind of the way that I played maybe broke the game a little bit for me because by the end of the game I, I had fully upgraded my boat and I still had loads and loads of resources that I didn't need in just clogging up my, my inventory which yeah came a little bit problematic because towards the end of the game you need to get more uh, like story based items and I was like oh, I have all of this wood I have all of this scrap I, I basically had to just discard it all because I needed the space so um, yeah I would, I would suggest that you you don't necessarily rush into collecting as many resources as possible. Like I was worried that the, it the game was going to be like, there is this set amount of resources, which is like exactly the amount you need to fully upgrade your boat. So that's why whenever I saw them, I always picked them up, but that's not the case. I think like they respawn after, after a while. So there's, there's plenty of resources. You don't need to rush into collecting all of them. And I would suggest not doing that because it can kind of shift the, 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 the power in the game and maybe make you a, a bit more overpowered than you should be. Uh, but yeah, the upgrades, how they work, they work in a sort of like skill tree like way, where you need to unlock like four or five uh, upgrades and then you can then move on to the next level of the skill tree. And usually this is done as kind of like uh, to get to the next level, you have to upgrade your hull. So when you upgrade your, your hull, uh, you get more hit points and you also get a lot more space in your hull. So it's like a very significant, the boat itself visually also kind of upgrades. So it goes from like a wooden boat to having wood with bits of metal in it and then at the end you have like this really shiny like uh like silverish looking boat at the end because you're you're fully upgraded which is quite cool i always really like having visual representations of of progress and upgrades and the game does that really nicely um the second form of upgrading is done via research uh, research helps you upgrade your equipment and unlock new equipment that lets you fish in new environments uh, research is done by finding research parts that are usually given as a reward for completing quests but can also be found in chests or when dredging shipwrecks um yeah the game for me felt the most satisfying when i had the perfect balance of i've done enough re enough research to have every type of rod that i need to fish every type of water but also have enough space on my ship to to equip all of the rods all at once and all of the nets so basically i would say I don't know, for me, it was like maybe halfway through the game. I was at that point where I was like, okay, I have every rod I need. I can I can get any fish and I have all of the space. And now I just feel like, like okay, I've, I've done it. Like I don't need to really, uh, folk, like really change anything up now, which is a little bit unusual because the game in the research trees, also the, the kind of like end game items that you get seem to be worse than the stuff that you get in the mid game. So it really kind of like didn't incentivize me to be like, okay, I should I should try and get this like last level rod because usually you know in a skill tree whatever's the last thing is the best but in this in this game it felt like it wasn't it was kind of like just another version of what i already had and i was like well i don't feel like i need to upgrade it to it because i already have everything i need so why would i waste the points on that and then yeah what ended up happening was that i had a lot of uh, research parts that i just didn't use like I, I i upgraded to the rods i needed and um the nets i needed and then I also upgraded my engine to to be the best engine I could get. And after that, I was like, okay, well, I have these these research parts taking up space in my inventory again. Like, uh, I think I ended up spending them on the crab pots because I was like, well, yeah, I need to spend them somewhere. somewhere. And at the end of the game, I still think I had like five or six. I just never bothered spending because I didn't feel like I needed really needed to. 
which uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a shame because this is only the real reward you get in the game for completing quests is these 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 pots, uh, sorry these parts, and um, yeah, towards the end of the game, it just felt very much like okay, yeah, cool, I have these parts, I did this quest, but I don't really get anything for it, which was a little bit yeah, a little bit kind of uh, of a of a letdown. So next I'd like to talk about the atmosphere of the game because I think the game really ne really nails the feeling of you being as as like the player being uneasy because yeah when you first look at the game it, it comes off as a completely normal fishing game uh, until the night comes until it gets dark and you can tell that the game is really heavily inspired by Lovecraft like like I said I don't know really know that much about Lovecraft but you you get this sense of this psychological paranoia your fisherman faces like on on his panic gauge there is this eye which gets more and more erratic the later you stay out and uh, the eye i think is meant to simulate the the fisherman kind of going into panic and going into paranoia and kind of going into insanity and um yeah it's also kind of summarizing like the art style and and the, the kind of dark and terrifying looking fish that you see the darker characters that you see like and these kind of interesting stories that are, are kind of like subplots really but there's not really any story like depth behind them it's more kind of like you just get these characters and, and you bring them something and they give you again a little bit more story of like how they interact with this world and how they ended up where they are and they, they also have some weird reason why they're in this peninsula and, and basically how they're stuck there and i think that's kind of like a quite a theme of the game is like these people are all just stuck here and don't really have a way out um, and even the one character that does seem to want to have, uh, does seem to have a way out, seems to just move very, not very far away, which is quite uh, unusual. But yeah, I think it's also quite interesting that people have been describing the game as a horror fishing game, because I think like this term horror fishing is like quite a good title to be like, all right, you know, how can we market this game? It's like, oh, it's a horror fishing game because it's inspired by Lovecraft and because there is this kind of almost like darkest dungeon panic meter and you don't want to go out in the dark because it's 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 bad for you but i am for me personally i didn't really ever feel like the game is scary like i wouldn't say horror is the, the the right word for the game but yeah like like i said before it really does make you feel uneasy uh you you feel uncomfortable you feel very vulnerable when you're playing the game especially if you do get caught out at night um, but for me, yeah, the the biggest problem was that why it wasn't scary was because I never really got caught out at night. Like I never stayed out because the game never really forced me to. Like I feel like that's a, a, a trait of horror games is like they force you into a situation you don't want to be in. And I think like the game never really did that did that for me. Uh, because yeah, like I said, at the start of the game, you start off in this this old wooden rickety boat that has this really like slow, like 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 tuk tuk engine that just moves you along at a snail's pace. And and like I said, as you move around, you kind of feel very very vulnerable, very alone. But when you're in the starting area, the starting area is is more like a less like a, a bay that is kind of protected. And within the starting area, the game never really makes you have to leave it because in the starting area there are so many fish there that you can kind of just go out fish come back to shore go out fish come back to shore and you always feel like you have this safety net behind you like oh i i just have to turn around and i can see the lights of the shore there or i can turn the other way and there is another there is little marrow on the other side so you, you feel like that you have like this um, umbilical cord like okay i can just i can just turn around and go back so when it does start to get a little bit eerie or a little bit dangerous i'm fine and i really wish like the game kind of pushed you out of that safety zone and kind of cut that card to be like no okay you fished these three spots really close to shore now the next one is like really far out in the ocean and and 
basically to get there, you have to come back at night time. And then, you know, I think the game could have maybe scripted it a bit more that on the first night that you are out, you get really like freaked out. You see these weird things, which you do, you do in the game. But my experience was, is that when I, when I started seeing these really freaky things, I was so upgraded that I wasn't scared of them. And it didn't become like a, a scary experience, really. It became more of like a an annoyance to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I know like these things can't really do any damage to me. And it, they're just kind of slowing me down to get back to shore, which, yeah, became an annoyance. And I really, I really wanted to feel like, you know, I was alone on the ocean at night with my fisherman's thoughts and with his sanity. But yeah, the game never really completely felt like this. And again, this might be because of me, how I played the game and upgrading my boat so quickly and so early. Um, because yeah, like I said, it got to a point where I had I had bright enough lights, I had a strong enough hull that I knew if, if something was going to attack me or come at me, it wasn't really going to be life-threatening. It wasn't going to like restart my, my day, if you know what I mean. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I need to get back to shore now because it's going to be annoying to, to get caught up in... in one of these these like mysterious uh, events that happens. However, I, I would really like to applaud the devs uh, because there is really one really, really well done uh, jump scare in the game. I don't want to, ex and they do it a few times, but um, I don't want to spoil what it is, but I'm, I would say if you want to experience it yourself, if, you, if you're playing the game and you're caught out at night and you see another fishing boat, go towards the fishing boat because it's, yeah, it's really, really well done. But yeah, I think that's, that, that's it. It's not... It doesn't really feel like a horror game. Like I never felt like the game put me in a situation that I didn't want to be in. It was more like I was in these situations because I myself hadn't managed my time properly, and because I I didn't really I wasn't really scared to be in in the position position at night, which yeah maybe yeah kind of broke the game a little bit for me. But but yeah, still I think the game it's a really interesting genre. It's a really interesting feeling because fishing games are meant to be usually quite relaxing, right? Like I was playing playing a lot of fishing in, in Stardew Valley and it is quite a relaxing experience. So it's quite interesting that they mix this relaxing mechanic with this kind of stressful panic that you, you're supposed to get at the night time. So if we kind of talk about like cons of the game, because yeah, I think in general, I should say I really enjoyed the game. Like uh, also maybe talk a little bit about, about the art style, like the characters in the game are all kind of 2D drawn and they have a very much like a very similar color palette and style to, to characters from Darkest Dungeon. Like maybe not as kind of grotesque as those characters look, but still, yeah, very like thick, dark lines, kind of very desaturated colors to them, uh, really nicely drawn. And there aren't really that many animations in the game, uh, like 2D ones. But if you look on YouTube at the videos, like they have really, really cool animated scenes there. And I mean, I think there's an intro to the game. The, the intro is quite nicely animated. But yeah, and then you kind of contrast that with this kind of low poly 3D look. And during the day, everything is very saturated and looks very bright. And the way the water moves is really, really nice. And, and the, the scenery... Like there are, the game has like these four different areas that you go to and they're kind of very cliche areas, I would guess, I would say for this type of game, but they look really nice. Like you go to like this swamp area and it feels very, very claustrophobic and dense and that you can't really move around. And then you go to this, this great like cliff area where there are like these, these rock slides. And it, again, it feels very dangerous that you're there. Like you, you, you could be wiped out by a rock at any time. And then the final area of the game is uh, is based around the volcano and like this like uh, this kind of like flooded civilization like kind of if you imagine what Atlantis would look like but it's still kind of only half submerged in water 
And uh, yeah, it's also quite interesting because you were more or less driving your boat around like like ancient city streets and there was like this kind of cult feeling there. And again, it feels very unusual. Um, but for, for maybe some cons of the game, um, I think, yeah, towards the end, it, it does get quite repetitive. I think this is mostly because I had achieved everything I wanted in the game, like I'd made enough money, I'd upgraded my my boat far enough, um, that it kind of meant the last section became more about just checking off boxes to finish the story rather than actually going out to fish and, and be interested in, in finding new fishes. Um, the game does incentivize you to keep fishing because it has like this encyclopedia, which if you're a Pokemon fan is a bit like, you know, like a Pokedex where it shows you every type of fish. And then it can also show you every type of grotesque variation of the fish. So it gives, keeps you on track for what you've caught and how many you've caught and like what the biggest one you, you caught was. And um, it's like, yeah, it's like a way if, if you're a completionist and you want to really fill it out, you can. And it's like nicely presented. The artwork looks really nice. Um, so it's like a nice thing to flick through at the end if you really want to get everything out of the game. And I think what's quite cool about the game is that even though the mini games to, to catch the fish and to dredge were, were quite straightforward and pretty much the same variation of, this, of the same mechanic, just kind of visually shown differently, um, they never ever really felt boring or tedious. Like I never was like, oh God, I have to go out and, and fish again. It was more just like, okay, yeah, I'm just running through the motions now to get what I need to check off this this box. Uh, this checkbox to get to the end but yeah it was never really tedious and uh, like for example at the end of the game there is kind of this quest where the traveling merchant says she wants to see these rare fish and you have to find this one spot on each island where they the rare fish are and like for that I was like oh, I, I really want to do that even though I've I'd finished the game I was like yeah I just want to do that just to see what these fish look like and also because I quite enjoyed doing the the mini games and uh, yeah, I did it, saw the fish, and at the end, you know, she gives you some research parts, which I've already said were pretty useless to me by them. And that kind of was then enough to, for me to be like, okay, I think the game has everything. I've got everything I want from this game. I don't need to pl keep playing. Yeah, I think what could have maybe changed that though was is like if there was more to this idea of you are rebuilding this town. Because yeah, at the start of the game, the mayor says that like, oh yeah, the money that you, you make selling fish, they will take like a tax that is used to re regenerate the town or reinvigorate it to, to get more tourists in and i think that could have been like a cool mechanic that would keep you invested in the game that okay i want to upgrade my town because maybe my town brings in tourists that somehow makes me money or maybe i can open up like a fish cannery and the fish that i catch go into the cannery and then the cannery changes them into fish and then you sell the cans for more but again maybe this is because i've been playing a lot of uh, stardew valley lately and um yeah i kind of like that that kind of business like town like business builder vibe and i also kind of like that yeah you like i said before that you get like some graphical feedback that you are progressing that your actions are changing the world and you didn't really get that in the game like you do open up the dry dock which lets you upgrade your boat but it also doesn't really feel like you, you're progressing because once you find the traveling merchant who oops who appears like on every island you go to she she has a dry dock so it's kind of like oh, okay it was just like this little story bit beat but I think, yeah, if there was something like that, it could have kept me a bit more invested because maybe I would have kept putting money into the town to, to to build it up. And it also would have really paid, like, I'm not going to spoil the ending of the story, but if you had more investment in the town, it would definitely make the ending pay off even more. Like I, I, I like the ending, especially, like I said, because I went back and read all of the messages in the bottle. But I think if, if you also had a bit more investment in the town, you the ending would be even better. Okay, so after summarizing the game, should you buy Dredge? 
Well, I think if you like indie games and want to try something that is unique, but doesn't like 100% nail what it's going for, I would definitely pick up Dredge. It's, yeah, there's, there's not really a game like it. I know there is another recent indie game that came out about fishing, and it also has this weird kind of dark twist to it, but I can't, I can't remember what it's called. It begins with M. Um, but having looked at that game and looking at this, I, I definitely would say go more for, for Dredge. I think it, even though it doesn't nail exactly what it wants to do, I, see, I still think it does it better than that other game. Uh, the game costs around 24.99 in euros on the Switch eShop. And I think for a really nicely polished, unique indie title in 2023, uh, 24.99 is a fair price for the game. I think, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in it, I mean, now the game's been out a couple of weeks, so maybe there's going to be a, it's going to go on sale soon. But I think if you've been on the fence and you're kind of like, oh, I, I, I want to play this game, but I'm still uncertain if this podcast podcast kind of makes you certain i would say yeah buy it it's definitely worth uh, the full price um however what i would say is is that if you have the option to i wouldn't play the game on the switch i i think playing game like i haven't really played my switch for a while but i i going back to it after playing the ps5 and, and the xbox series s you, you you start to feel how old the switch is and in this game it's done mostly with the loading screens like the game itself runs really really well and this isn't a fault of the game at all this is the fault of the switch just being an old ass console now but yeah loading screens take forever to load and also um you know if you do die in the game where there is one section where i think you will die a lot yeah waiting for the game to load back up can become quite annoying so yeah i would suggest if you can play the game on ps5 or xbox series because i think the loading will be instant there but yeah otherwise if I was going to give the game a, a review score, I'd probably give it like an 8 out of 10. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm as, as high as some other reviews that I've read about the game. But I think, yeah, I think, like we said at the start of the episode, right? Like, it has a Metacritic score of 83, and I think that's a fair score for it. So, yeah, I can understand why it's kind of been a, an indie hit. Streamers seem to be enjoying playing it. Like, I've also been watching the Let's Play of, of Northern Lion. He's playing it right now. And uh, yeah, it's really, really entertaining just to see the streamers uh, get weirded out. And yeah, I think the last thing I would say on it is, yeah, please, Nintendo, announce the Switch 2. Please, please. <laughs> so guys, that was my review of Dredge. And that was episode 10 of the Beat Your Backlog podcast. I can't believe we're already at episode 10. I'm uh, really happy how the podcast is going. But what I really want to know is, is Dredge on your backlog? Or have you already managed to knock it off already? If you're a Spotify listener, let me know by answering the question down in the description. And if you're listening elsewhere, let me know on social media by adding me at SwitchIndieFix. You can do this on Twitter or, or on Instagram. And uh, yeah, guys, Beat Your Backlog is a new podcast and needs your support. We are at episode 10. I'm happy that we've got this far, but I'd like to get to the next 10 episodes. Um, so if you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and or following wherever you are listening and leaving us a five-star review. Reviews help new people find the podcast, so it would be wonderful if you could leave us one. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.